Welcome to Audit Bites, the show where we give you bite-sized chunks of information and education to help you excel in your audit career. Join our host, Robert Berry, as we tackle another tough auditing topic this week. Hey, good morning, friends. Welcome to episode number 18 of Audit Bites. Remember, Audit Bites is the first live show where we talk about, well, auditing. And I am your host, Robert Berry. We broadcast live on LinkedIn, and we also are available on your favorite podcasting platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, and more. So look for us. Head on over to your favorite app store. Give us a five-star rating. I think we're worth it. And best yet, you can get CPE just for watching me. Go to AuditBytes.com for more information. You can see several past episodes along with a way to get CPEs. So without further ado, you've seen today's topic. Oh, it's a touchy one. I'm probably going to make some people mad. Why socks is ruining internal auditing. Why socks is ruining internal auditing. Now, Leslie Hambrick is here. She says, good morning. Good morning, Leslie. Thank you for joining. And John is here and John says, hello. Thank you for joining us this morning, John. Like I said, you're on Audit Bites. This is episode number 18, Why Socks is Ruining Internal Auditing. Hold on tight, people. Like I said, I'm probably going to make some people mad, but while we're here, Let's talk about what is Oxley. What is Sarbanes Oxley? Also known as socks. Kind of like the socks you wear on your feet, but S-O-X. Not quite as cool as the socks you wear on your feet, though. Sarbanes Oxley was passed in 2002 in response to major accounting scandals in the United States. You see, there was Enron, there was WorldCom, there was Tyco. There were a whole lot of accounting scandals where people were, well, fudging the numbers in their books for their corporations. So SOX was aimed at protecting investors by, mm, in theory, improving the accuracy and reliability of financial reports. So there was one big part of SOX. It was called Section 404, and it required companies to ensure that they had, well, controls over financial reporting. Well, those controls were required to be documented, tested, and maintained to ensure that they were effective. Now, SOX also officially assigned the organization's external auditor um, with responsibility for approving the assessment supporting management's reports regarding the internal controls. So let me just break that down in layman's terms. Management was supposed to make sure that the numbers were accurate. Management was also supposed to provide documentation to ensure, to show that they, how they ensured that the numbers were accurate. The external auditors are responsible for reviewing the documentation that management provided, showing that they had controls to ensure that the numbers were accurate. Okay, so now that's kind of, well, what Sarbanes-Oxley is, but I just said a few things. I said external audit. I said Sarbanes-Oxley. I said audit. I said a whole bunch of things. So let's talk about what in the world is external audit? What in the world 
is external audit. Because you hear the word audit, and when a lot of people hear the word audit, they just cringe because they think about the IRS. They think about the government IRS audits. So let's talk about what external audit is. Because there are multiple types of audits, but today we're going to talk about external and internal. So external audit is an examination conducted by an independent accountant, so to speak. This type of audit is most commonly intended to result in some sort of certification of the financial statements of an entity. So you come in, you look at the numbers and you say, yeah, these look about right. Or you say, these don't look right. Something is wrong. So an external auditor is looking at the numbers in the financial statement to see if they fairly represent the position of the organization. Now, this is mostly this is required by certain investors and lenders held companies. Let me say that again. It's by most investors and vendors for most publicly held companies. So now my buddy Joe is here. And Joe, what do you say, Joe? Joe said they became more focused on sign-offs because of socks. They became more focused on sign-offs. Joe, we're about to get there, my man. Just hold on tight. I think you and I are probably on the same page when it comes to this subject. But Joe also says annual financial audit. Yeah, so that's what an external auditor is. They perform your annual financial audit to make sure that your numbers are correct. So what in the world is an internal audit? We talked about these external folks that come in and look at your numbers. What in the world is an internal audit? So let's talk about that for just one moment, especially for people who don't know what that is or for people who think they know what it is and they really don't know what it is. <laughs> so an internal audit refers to a department located within the business that monitors the effectiveness and efficiency of processes and controls. That's really all it is. Now, I know that's a simplistic definition, so I just kind of boiled it down to something real simple. Internal audit refers to a department located within the business that monitors or audits, quote unquote, the effectiveness and efficiency of processes and controls within the organization. Now, in a few minutes, I'll give an example of what that is. And my buddy Joe, still here, Joe says, IA supposed to be based on annual risk-based audit plan. There you go. I'm going to get there in just a minute, Joe. It is supposed to be, supposed to be based on an annual risk-based audit plan. Notice I said supposed to be because now we have socks that's kind of throwing a wrinkle into some of that. All right. So that's what internal audit is. But let's talk about the difference between the two. The difference between external and internal audit and where the lines are blurred and where Sarbanes-Oxley is ruining internal audit. So when you think about any type of auditing function or basically almost anything in life, what you're going to have is an objective. Somebody's going to conduct the process, whether it's a sales process or a research process. You got to have a scope. You got to have some sort of reporting that's coming out and you got to have some sort of an opinion that's taking place. So in the world of internal auditing, here's how those things look and here's how they line up. So the objective of an internal audit, again, is the effectiveness and efficiency of operations. Uh, not the accuracy and validity of financial statements. That's an error there, folks. Sorry for that. But the effectiveness and the efficiency of operations is what your internal audit 
internal audit function is going to be looking for. Ooh, my graph is off just a little bit here. So who conducts an internal audit? Employees. That non-employee should be over in the external audit category, you guys. So sorry about that graph. Now, the scope is anything within the organization. That first line. Please ignore that second line where it says financial statements. Again, that should be in the other column. Um, who is the report users of an internal audit? It's management, not stakeholders. It's management for internal audit. And so what happens with the report opinion? The opinion is provided on the effectiveness and efficiency of operations. Okay, so now let's talk about external auditing. So for external auditing, the objective is the accuracy and validity of financial statements. It's conducted by non-employees. You hire a third party to actually do that. The scope is the financial statements and the financial statements only. The report users are typically stakeholders and the report opinion is, well, the financial statements. Are they accurate? Are they complete? Do they fairly represent the organization? So now, Edward says, the main difference is that external auditor can provide more independence assurance compared to internal audit. You're close, but you're wrong, Edward. External auditors only look at financial statements, period. That is it. It's not an independence issue. It's the scope of what you look at. External auditors only look at financial statements, period. And this is why SOX is ruining internal audit, because many people don't understand what internal audit truly is. Okay, so now, with that said, let's talk about what the scope of an internal auditor's work is and how it has been impacted by Sarbanes-Oxley. But before we talk about that, before we talk about that, you are on Audit Bites, the first live show where we talk about, well, auditing. We're on episode number 18 now. And what I would like to say is if you want to advertise and or sponsor an episode, contact me, Rob, at thatauditguy.com. My contact information is on the screen. Next week, we will unveil our first advertiser for the show. So now, who is this good for? This is good for anyone. If you have a small to medium sized consulting firm, if you have a large consulting firm, if you are an IIA chapter that holds events, especially virtual events, what better way to reach an audience than through advertising on this particular show? If you have, you know, a company where you sell products or services, you may want to advertise on this show. So now let's go back to our audience again. Joe says, IA too inundated with ding socks work instead of risk-based audit. You got it, Joe. That is exactly where I'm going with that. And Pozo is here. Good morning, Pozo. Pozo says, looking forward to see who the first sponsor is. Yes, you will be surprised when you see who the first sponsor is. We've been working hard to make this show and the other podcasts the best that they can be. And I got that, Joe. I know what you meant doing. Doing. Uh, I just didn't say it right, but I, I got what you were saying. Uh, you were saying IA. Let's see if I can get back to Joe's comment. Joe, you were saying that IA is too inundated with doing SOX work instead of risk-based audits. Yes, my friend. So let's talk about that for a minute. 
let's talk about what I like to call the seismic shift. So let's talk about what internal auditing work historically covered. Historically, internal audit departments looked at almost anything and everything within an organization. This included things like marketing, operations, technology, human resources, research and development, marketing and advertising, and finance and accounting. Now, while the distribution of work was not necessarily equal, such as how it's represented in this graph, audit departments could divvy up the work based on risk. So if something was more risky than something else, you would allocate more time to it. Unfortunately, what has happened because of Sarbanes-Oxley is that many audit departments spend the lion's share of their budget complying with the Sarbanes-Oxley Act. And because of that, many audit departments that I've talked to have allocated as much as 30 to 70% of their time with Sarbanes-Oxley compliance. So what does this mean? This means that oftentimes the distribution of the work looks kind of like this. So unfortunately, what has happened is, because of Sarbanes-Oxley, many audit departments spend a lot of their time complying with the act. Now, what does this really mean for organizations? This means that organizations are now missing out on opportunities to use their internal consultants, their internal auditing departments, to evaluate other pertinent risks. All right, so let's go back to our audience. Now, Edward says, Robert, but IT auditor can external and they are not necessary review financial statements. That is true. External auditors don't review financial statements, but they do review from a Sarbanes-Oxley standpoint, internal controls over financial reporting, which still means pigeonholed into looking at financial statement results versus all of the other IT controls. Now, I know that's not 100% true for all IT auditors that work for external accounting firms, but a majority of the work has shifted to doing work regarding controls over financial statement reporting, including information technology work. So now, since Joe again, SOX became a great tool for fraudsters to keep IA busy and not effective. Absolutely, Joe. Yep, wait a minute, Joe, you show up as LinkedIn user, so let me cheat to make sure it's you. Yeah, it is you. Absolutely. So now what Joe is referring to here is internal audit departments now spend so much time complying with Sarbanes-Oxley that there are other things that occur in organizations such as fraud that internal auditors have no opportunity to even look at or get to. Now, Pozo says companies should outsource the SOX work to better leverage resources and time. You know either outsource or what many of them are doing now is they have separate groups that are called SOX PMO groups or SOX internal control review groups, things like that. So I'll tell you when SOX first started in 2003, I believe it was, I was the director of SOX for a, a small bank, about $5 billion. And the SOX department that I managed was separate from internal auditing. It was Sarbanes-Oxley and internal control assurance, because what we did back then was we understood that SOX was just internal controls over financial reporting, but you had other internal controls that you wanted to measure within the organization. So I had one group that reported to me that uh, gathered performance measurements for non-financial internal controls, and then I had the Sarbanes-Oxley group that reported to me. And internal audit, we used them, but it was minimal. So they had enough time to really allocate 
to doing those other things that they should have been doing. Because again, what you don't want is your internal audit department spending 50% of their time doing Sarbanes-Oxley work, because what it does is it cuts down on their time auditing other things within the organization. So again, Sarbanes-Oxley has ruined internal auditing. I don't care who wants to disagree, you're wrong. If the audit department is actually doing a bulk of the Sarbanes-Oxley work, it is taking time away from them doing core internal auditing work. You can try to argue with me on this, but you're wrong. Statistics bear out to show that this is actually correct. Now, Joe is saying SEC, PCAOB, and materiality changes in external auditor methodology has caused our SOX methodology to change annually. Yes. So, so Joe brings up a really good point. Anytime the SEC and the PCAOB changes something, it changes the scope of internal audits work. If the internal audit department is doing Sarbanes-Oxley work, let me throw that caveat out there. If the internal audit department is doing uh, uh, Sarbanes-Oxley work, anytime these organizations change their scope, you now have to change the scope of your SOX work, which could mean that you allocate more or less. <laughs> Sorry, I was about to say less time. You're never going to allocate less time to SOX because the regulations will just keep piling on. Sorry for that bit of sarcasm there. But it means that you're going to have to allocate more time to doing Sarbanes-Oxley work. And Joe says he agrees. Um, yeah, I mean, this is just reality. Again, this is not what I feel. This is what I see based on facts, data and statistics. And Nicola is here. Hey, my friend, what is happening? Nicola says, I think if board members had a wider skill set beyond finance, they would demand their internal auditors look at wider risk. You know, Nicola, you make a good point, but here's what I'll add to that. A lot of board members don't even have expertise in finance. A lot of them ha do have expertise in um operations and or they are substantial investors in the organizations and public organizations. Because if you recall, what also happened with Sarbanes-Oxley, at least here in the States, that's right, Nicola, you're in the UK. Here in the States, Sarbanes-Oxley also went a step further and we started requiring that uh, at least one audit committee member be a financial expert. Because prior to that, you could have an audit committee within an organization that did not have a financial expert. So, um, yeah, but you make a good point. And so I'm going to add to your point. If board members had a wider skill set, your point is very well taken, because even if you look at board members, especially for the large companies, a lot of them are full of uh, heavy hitters in industry. And when you become so high up in your field, sometimes you forget the mechanics and the basics. So I'll take your point a further step. What you should see on more boards are current and or former chief audit executives and chief compliance officers. I'll take it a step further too. chief information officers. You need someone on your board that has expertise in information technology, auditing and compliance. That is what boards are lacking because these people will ask critical questions. Now, Edward says, most organizations care about being in compliance and avoiding potential repercussions. I do agree with that. And with that compliance comes a cost. 
And what organizations did in the early stages of Sarbanes-Oxley is they threw a lot of money into Sarbanes-Oxley. It cost them a lot of money. They threw a lot of money into Sarbanes-Oxley. Now, Edward says, that's why Sox is ruining audit. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Now, Joe says that board usually buddies with senior management. Yeah, a lot of times board members are buddies with senior management. Yeah. Uh, and, and what it does, though, is it taints the oversight function because boards should serve as an oversight function within the organization. It taints that when your buddies are on the board and when you don't have representation from an information technology expert, an auditing expert, a compliance expert and or a risk management expert, you don't necessarily get a full view. You don't necessarily get objective, independent people asking critical questions when they need to be asked. And then Edward also says, also most private organizations want to go public. You know, I would say that that was probably true several years ago. Nowadays, you see a lot of companies being very selective about going public and some don't want to. But even those who want to go public, what they're doing now is they're a lot smarter because they ramp up for it. So they get a SOX process in place. They get an internal audit process in place. Uh, but yeah, I'd agree with that as well. Uh, 100%. I would definitely agree with that. So while we're here, let's talk about the reasons SOX has ruined audit. Now, I'm only going to give three reasons. There are a whole lot more. But I like to keep the, so the show short. I like to keep it to about 30 minutes when I can. And I like to make it impactful. But before I give the three reasons why SOX is ruining internal audit. Let me say, for those of you who are just joining, who are just caught up to us, you're on Audit Bites, the first live show where we talk about audit. This is episode 18. The topic is why SOX is ruining internal auditing. I am your host, Robert Berry. I am a, an audit trainer, and I also do outsource slash co-source internal auditing. If you, need a, if you need a kick butt trainer for your entire company, or for your IIA chapter, or for just anything, give me a call, shoot me an email. My email is rob at thatauditguy.com, or you can go to my website, thatauditguy.com, and you can find me. I specialize in soft skills training, and from what I'm told, I'm pretty doggone good at it. Ask all your friends. They'll tell you. <laughs> go read the reviews. Um, but in all seriousness, three ways, socks has ruined internal audit. Let's talk about the first one. The first one is it caused an unfair reallocation of audit resources. Now, I just put up a graph that was just kind of an illustrative example of what happened. So let's talk about this, an unfair reallocation of audit resources. Because of Sarbanes-Oxley, many organizations had to reallocate internal auditing resources. Those organizations have now lost access to internal consultants because audit departments have trouble covering areas of high risk because they're now focused on Sarbanes-Oxley. Also, what has happened is some audit departments have lost autonomy in developing their independent audit plans because now they're trying to ensure strict compliance with SOX. <laughs> Joe is here. Joe says, you the best. Joe, thank you, man. Uh, I try. Look, the, the, the whole aim and goal of this show is to be extremely honest when it comes to internal auditing. 
you find that most people will not give it to you raw. I have no reason to sugarcoat it. I have no reason to lie to you. I have no reason to lead you on. My goal is to give you accurate and adequate information so that you can be the best internal auditing professionals that you can be. Sarbanes-Oxley has ruined internal auditing. Okay, so now, the first reason that I said Sarbanes-Oxley has ruined internal auditing is because we have an unfair reallocation of audit resources. Again, I just put up a graph demonstrating that. But the second reason, let's just get into it, my friends. The second reason is there's a skewed view of internal auditing. There's a skewed view of internal auditing. Now, what do I mean by that? As mentioned previously, external auditing deals with the numbers, representation of the financial statements. However, when you have an internal auditing department, you deal with, well, almost everything in the organization. Here's where that becomes problematic. Many of the individuals coming out of big four public accounting nowadays, they spend the bulk of their time doing SOX work. So if you come out of big four and you're doing primarily SOX and now you start doing internal auditing at an organization, you have some catch up to do in your career. You are behind because now you have to deal with more than more than the numbers. You have to deal with the people, the processes, the technology, and the data. I say data as my friend Trent enters the room. Trent says he agreed with Nicola. I could never do just socks testing ever again. And here's what Nicola just said, because I missed out on that. Nicola said it must be harder to retain internal auditors strictly limited to socks testing. It sounds a bit boring. No offense. No offense taken, Nicola. It is boring if you are simply just doing socks testing. That's not what you signed up for. Okay. Joe says, I am now in the point in my career I'm brutally honest about IA. Me too, Joe. Hence this show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then Joe said to Nicola, extremely boring. Yes. Now, Edward, my man Edward is still here and he says, Control testing times 1,000 applications. Oh, yeah, man. That's uh, insane. By the way, if you guys are in the audience and you see the people commenting, Joe, Nicola, Trent, Edward, these are good people. Connect with them on LinkedIn. Send them a connection request. Start looking at their content. Get to know them. You might learn some things and you might teach them a few things because this show is also about connecting people. I think we're all good people and we all want to do the best that we can at our job. So why would we not connect with one another? Joe said socks work is extremely boring, but not me. <laughs> Joe, I knew I know you didn't mean me. At least I, I was hoping you didn't mean that I was boring. <laughs> Oh, uh, and Edward says he's been there. You've had to test all of those uh, application controls from a SOX standpoint. Yeah. And Nicola says SOX testing is right for automation. Look, let me tell you, here's the real deal when it comes to Sarbanes-Oxley. Not only is it, you know what, let me say that so that I get to my third point. If I forget to say this, you guys remind me. Never mind, I'll say it now and then I'll get to my third point. Nicola, not only is it right for automation, Audit should not be doing SOX testing anyway. Okay, look, 
The whole point in SOX was to make management responsible and accounting accountable for the financial reporting. Therefore, management should have the controls that they put in place. Management should be testing their controls because if you think about it, a control should be something that you're performing periodically to ensure that something is working properly. Let's just give a, a boring example. Let's just say bank account reconciliations. Let's just assume that that was a control. If that is a control, you should be performing that periodically and someone should be doing that reconciliation and someone else in the organization, a part of management should be ensuring that it's done. Now, at that point, all you should be giving your SOX testers is the results of the testing that you as a management team has done. When I did SOX back in 2003, we pushed it out to management. So they did self-certifications. So let me get to the third point before I go off on a tangent there. Okay, my third point is, hmm, SOX ruined internal audit because it doesn't address the underlying issue. Here's what I mean by that. Sarbanes-Oxley was created because several companies were dishonest in their financial statements. Let me say that again. Sarbanes-Oxley was created because several companies were dishonest in their financial statements. So Sarbanes-Oxley occurs after the fact to catch potential financial statement fraud. Now, the true issue was, let me say this real clear, me extremely clear about this. The true issue was the lack of morals, ethics, and values in these organizations. The true issue was the lack of morals, ethics, and values in, this or in these organizations. Now, that's something that Sarbanes-Oxley will not fix. Sarbanes-Oxley will catch something on the back end sometimes that has happened, but you will still have corrupt people within the organization. If you really want to fix the problem, that is what you fix, not after the fact trying to see if the numbers are accurate and correct. So happens is, and what's going to happen is, those who truly want to commit fraud will try to find new and different ways to commit fraud. The reward system in our current corporations is screwed up. You reward high performers and you encourage high performance at all costs. There's nothing wrong with being a high performer and there's nothing wrong with rewarding that. But when you reward high performance at all costs, you encourage fraudulent activity. Now, your stakeholders and your, and your investors rely heavily on those financial statements. Hence, the push to have an act like SOX that ensures that the financial statements are accurate. However, if you go to the root cause, which is the lack of morals, ethics, and values in some organizations, you wouldn't even need something like Sarbanes-Oxley to check up on the back end. Now, I will say SOX did implement something, well, did require organizations to implement whistleblower hotlines and non-retaliation policies. However, that's not enough. Just because an organization has a non-retaliation policy doesn't mean that they aren't going to retaliate against employees. How many auditors have we heard discuss being retaliated on in organizations? Now, what you really should do if you wanted to tackle this problem is take it a step further like the federal government here in the United States. If you blow the whistle on a company here in the United States, to the federal government, whatever fines and penalties are levied, you get a piece of the pie. Because what happens is when auditors 
blow the whistle on organizations. They get blackballed. First, they get fired from that organization. Then they sometimes get blackballed in the industry. And so now your entire career is upended. When your career becomes upended, you think about that. And what most auditors do is they turn a blind eye to things that they see in organizations just to keep their job and to keep their livelihood. So Sarbanes-Oxley has ruined internal auditing. Why? One, it, 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 it resulted in an unfair allocation or reallocation of resources. It skewed the view of internal audit. There are a lot of people that think that internal auditors deal with numbers. We don't deal with numbers. We deal with people, processes, technology, and data. But also, it doesn't address the underlying issue. The underlying issue is morals, ethics, and values in our corporations where significant frauds have occurred. Now, Leslie says, can have no errors and controls not function as designed as a result. Incorrect wording in the opinion letter. So what Leslie is talking about, when you look at Sarbanes-Oxley, what they do is when you test it, if there's one error, you have to say something about it. That's not realistic. Whenever there's a business process, there's going to be small errors because they're run by humans and computers, and humans and computers make errors. Um, Joe says, IA forgot how to identify audit risk. Yeah, yeah, because now it's SOX risk, not necessarily audit risk. And Edward says, also applications and organizations sometimes have unique processes and logic in their controls. What you test in company A might not be the same in company B. Absolutely. I completely concur with that as well. Um, Pozo says, another great episode. Sox has created more issues than it has resolved. Uh, so here's what I'll say. I believe that Sox has created more issues than it has resolved, but there are certain metrics that, that they look at to say that Sox has been very effective in what it was supposed to do. And one of those measurements, I think they said that um, at one point there were about 13% of organizations had significant financial statement errors. And since the advent of Sox, that number has dropped to 6%. Well, here's the thing that I would look at too. Those were based on errors which happen at all organizations and how many of those were based on the fact that you actually caught fraud because if you caught fraud on the back end you never know what was happening before it was actually caught and you're not dealing with the underlying issues which is morals ethics value organizations and the incentive structure that is the most significant problem within organizations. While I have you guys here, I want to remind you about my book, Ask Better Questions, Get Better Answers, Perform Better Audits. It is a top seller on Amazon, and it is the only book out there written about how to ask questions while auditing. If you'd like to pick up your copy, you can check it out on Amazon, or you can go to askgetperform.com, and you'll be able to see some information about the book, and that'll take you to the Amazon link. Also, if you are an auditor and you like to look fashionable as an internal audit, out the merch in my store. I have I Love Audit shirts, I Love Compliance shirts, awesome auditor shirts, and a whole bunch of other things. Stickers, coffee mugs, whatever you need to get for your favorite auditor. So I am Robert Berry, and this has been episode number eight. Uh, ooh, 18 of Audit Bikes. That's the wrong graphic there, folks. Let me go back here. 
So this has been episode number 18 of Audit Bites. How Sarbanes-Oxley has ruined, ruined internal auditing. If you like this show, spread the word to your friends. I am available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, you name it, we're there. Or you can go to auditbytes.com. Now, Joe is saying, what do you say, Joe? How do I become a something on your website? Or what on my website, Joe? That one I can't decipher, my friend. So let me know what you are talking about. How can you become something on my website? Um, let me see. Joe says, great episode. Thank you, Joe. Thank you very much. Um, very informative. Thank you. Spread the word to all of your friends. How can you become a model on my website? Joe, buy some of the merch, man. Take a picture of you in the merch and I'll be glad to put a picture of you up, man. Be glad to put a picture of you up on the website. No one wants to see me. So I'll be glad to put a picture up of you. Actually, I probably should model some of the clothes myself, shouldn't I? If you think I should actually model some of my own gear on my website, drop a yes in the chat or say, yes, Robert, model. And I might just actually do it. Did I just say commit to doing something that I probably will regret? I think I just committed to doing something that I probably will regret. But here's the thing. If not enough people actually say they want to see it, I won't do it. So now I can just keep my fingers crossed and hope that no one responds in the affirmative. I hate you, Joe. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. Um... <laughs> All right, you guys. All right, stop it. Stop. <laughs> You know what's going to happen, too, on the replay. People are going to start dropping in. Yes, yes, yes. And then I'm going to have to do it. So, look, you guys, this has been episode number, what is this, 18, I think? How Socks has ruined internal audit. I'm at the 38-minute mark. I have kept you guys over time. But thank you all for joining me and for making this a whole lot of fun. If you enjoy it, let me know some other things you'd like for me to talk about. Because, again, I'm going to give you my opinion, rough, rugged, and raw. Episode number 18, Audit Bites. I'm Robert Berry. Until next time, peace. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Audit Bites. If you want to do more, see more, be more, check out our website at auditguide.com where you will find quality training. Audit merch. Yes, we have hats, shirts, and other apparel, as well as past copies of this podcast and the Friday Froster podcast. www.thatauditguide.com. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.